Good morning. Good morning. We've had a beautiful weekend so far this weekend. It's been beautiful this morning and a great opportunity we have to come into the Lord's Church and to spend some time with him this Sunday morning in studying and in prayer and in praising his name in song. Brother Eddie's asked us to mark number eight. Number eight, and I want us to think about this song. It's a, a very good song he's picked. It actually falls in with the lesson. He didn't know that yet. But um, are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? And we'll sing that at the end of this at the end of this lesson. And I think everybody's aware at this point, Brother Lester mentioned it during the announcements, that obviously Brother Randy is away from us this week. Um, he has gone to preach a gospel meeting. And so I think everybody, we ought to keep him in our prayers this coming week. Pray for him that the messages that he's speaking, that, that God will speak through him and that through that he can touch somebody else's life. There's something that's, that's going on in the world right now that has really caused a lot of problems throughout the denominational world. And it's something that we as Christians, if we're not careful, it can slowly start to infiltrate into the church itself and start to cause problems with the, within the church. Basically what that is, is the, the fear and the discouragement that people have of asking a question. The fear that people have of asking a question. A lot of times the people that ask these questions, they're seen as troublemakers. Their motives are questioned a lot of times. Reputations can easily be smeared simply because somebody is willing to step up and ask a question. What I want us to do for a little while this morning is I want us to look at what the Bible says about this. How does the Bible address questions? Does it condemn questions? Does it try to prevent us from stepping out and asking a question? Or does it encourage us to ask the questions, actually give us examples and command to do such a thing? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want to look verse at, first at verse 26. This is Jesus speaking here. It says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The first thing I want to look at this morning is the Bible shows us, even just from this passage itself, Jesus is using a question in order to teach somebody. Questions are a good way of teaching somebody something. Flip over a couple pages to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Starting in verse 23, we have some gentlemen that have come to Jesus now, and they're asking him a question. It says, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Now stop there for a second. It is possible, as I mentioned, to ask questions, and you do have impure motives. It's very likely these, these men, their motives for asking this question were impure. It says they were confronting Jesus, they were doing it publicly, obviously trying to trap him. But let's look at the way Jesus responds to this question. Verse 24, it says, But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise, likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus basically said, okay, you ask me a question, I'm going to answer you with a question of my own. Let's keep reading. It says, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reason among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. A lot of people in the world will want to take a passage like this, look at it and say, obviously Jesus was, was looking down on them for how dare they come and ask him this question. He refused to give him an answer. 
But the fact is, he answered their question. They knew the answer to this question. They knew that authority was from heaven. They lied and said they didn't know the answer because they were afraid of how people would look upon them for answering that way. So not only was Jesus asking them a question to teach them something, they knew the answer. Think of everybody else that was around them at that time. That forced them to get their minds, their thoughts on a specific topic, get them thinking about something, and in turn is able to teach a lesson to everybody around him. So Jesus, obviously, he was not attempting to be a troublemaker at this point. He did not have impure motives. He was using, using a question in a scriptural manner to teach somebody. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In this chapter, we've got, we've got Paul dealing with the topic of public worship. We'll start reading in verse 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. It says, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the church. The second way that the scriptures address asking questions is it is an authorized way for us to learn something. If we don't know something, it's a way for us to learn that. What if we don't ask questions? What if we don't know something? Are we to simply sit back and wait for somebody to come and give us the answer, to come and voluntarily provide me with the information I need to know? If that's the approach we take, chances are there's a lot of stuff we're never going to learn. We're never going to know the information. And so if we don't want to be ignorant, we have to ask that question. There's a very good example of this in the Old Testament. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. If we think back to Brother Randy's class he's doing on Sunday mornings right now, obviously we're walking our way through Exodus, and the children of Israel, they've come out of Egypt at this point. They've made their way down to Mount Sinai, God has given them the Ten Commandments, and right now God is in the process of getting the, giving them the details of the temple, the furnishings of the temple, how all this is supposed to be built. What we're going to look at here in Joshua 4 is they've now left Mount Sinai, they've wandered their 40 years in the wilderness, and they're now about to cross over the River Jordan into the land of Canaan to start that conquest of Canaan. All right, so Joshua chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 4. It says, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So basically what God has told the children of Israel to do through Joshua is to take stones and you set up a, a memorial, basically a, a small kind of statue or something you can picture in your mind. The whole purpose of what this memorial is for is so when the future generations of the children of Israel come on, how are they going to know what God has done for the children of Israel? I mean, in, unless their, their parents, their grandparents, just voluntarily provide this information to them, how are they ever going to know? God had the foresight to know that these children need to know this stuff. And so he told them, you set up this memorial, and what's going to happen is your children, is your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, as they start coming along, they're going to see this memorial sitting out here, and that's going to trigger them to ask you a question. 
And when you ask, and when they ask you that question, you're to discipline them, you're to push them aside and say, don't you dare ever ask me another question. Is that what it said? It said no. They were to answer them that question. God knew that this was the perfect opportunity for them to show to their children and their, their future generations what God has done for the children of Israel and take it as an opportunity to teach them. I know right now Avery's about two and a half years old. She's getting to the point she's starting to put together full sentences, um, kind of a very interesting time. We're able to communicate with her a lot more now than we've ever been able to do. And because of that, she's getting very curious about a lot of stuff. She comes up a lot of times and she starts asking us questions. We'll answer that question and she'll ask why. We'll answer that question and she'll ask why. And it keeps going and it keeps going. But what she's doing is she's got her mind focused on something and she's wanting to know the answer to something. If Jenna and I want to teach her a lesson, if we want to show her something, it's not very effective and it's not very efficient for us to go into her room while she's playing and just randomly start to teach her something. She's not paying attention. Her mind's not focused on it. She doesn't really care what we're saying at that point because she's focused on playing. The best opportunity we have as parents to teach her something is when she's got her mind focused on it. She's wondering about an answer. She's come and asked us about it. We now have that opportunity. We can teach her something. She's going to remember it. Right? That's basically what God has told Joshua to have the children of Israel do at this point. You set this memorial up because I want your future generations coming to you and asking. And at that point, their minds are focused on it. You now have the perfect opportunity to teach them what I've done for you and to teach them what God can do for them in their lives. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I want us to look for a second at the passage Brother Ted read for us this morning. Jesus' entire life that he was here on earth, the apostles, as you read through the Gospels, it almost seems like they, they kind of sometimes understand what's going on, then a lot of times they don't really know what's going on. And I know it's easy for us as we go back and we read the four Gospels, we read the, the conversations that Jesus had with him, with his apostles during his life here, is how did they miss this stuff? I mean, it seems so blatantly obvious to us the reason Jesus was here on earth. He was here to set up his church. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be crucified. And it seemed like he very plainly told them this. How in the world did they miss it? Look at verse 43, Luke 9, verse 43. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. His disciples had the opportunity to know. They didn't have to go into the betrayal of Jesus, Jesus into his death, confused about what was going on. He told them what was going to happen, but they were simply afraid to ask that question. They basically chose to remain ignorant at that point instead of asking a question and learning what was going on and being prepared. The simple fact is, ignorance can cost us our souls. The Bible's told us there is no more excuse for ignorance. If we don't know the answer to something, that's our fault. We have to ask those questions in order not to be ignorant anymore. Turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, I want to start reading in verse 19. 
It says, The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Very interesting situation here. Here's another spot where somebody in the world can easily say, look, Jesus was condemning them for even dare asking him a question. I mean, we're in the situation now. Jesus has been betrayed. He's in the process of going towards his death, and he's going through his quote-unquote trial that the high priest have set up. And so they're basically asking him, okay, tell us what you've been teaching. Jesus says, look, why are you asking me that question? You know what I've taught. Everybody in this room knows what I've taught. I've done nothing in secret. I've not gone into some closed-door session with two or three people, taught them what they need to know, and then nobody else hears it. Everybody standing around us knows what I've said. Ask them what I've said. At this point, Jesus is not saying, look, you don't dare ask me questions. You already know the answers. Don't ask. By sitting here this morning and listening to me talk, any other Sunday morning, come in and listen to Brother Randy talk. You know where we stand on, a, on an issue. If you're out in the world and somebody asks you, hey, what does Brother Randy feel about a certain situation? You don't necessarily have to go say, look, I, I'm not real sure. You need to go talk to Randy about that. Jesus is saying at this point, look, if these people have heard me talk, they know where I stand. You don't have to come back to me. There's a lot of people that want to say, you know what? We, we can't really go straight to Jesus and talk to him right now and get his feedback on something. We can't go to the, the apostles and get their feedback on something. And so it's not really possible to know what was going through their head at the time that this was written or what they were thinking when they said something. So it, it's really hard to put a, a firm, definite meaning on the scriptures. And, and you know, that, that basically means then that there is no absolutes when you come to the scripture, that it's pretty much open for interpretation because we can't go back to the original source. Jesus basically said, that's wrong right here. These people have heard me. They know what I mean. We've heard Jesus talk right here. We know what Jesus is saying. You don't have to go back to that original source. So the third thing I want to look at then is you're asking a question is a good way to find truth. These men were trying to find truth from Jesus. Jesus said, look, you want the truth. You ask everybody else around me. They know the truth. They can give you the truth. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Possibly the greatest question that has ever been asked. What shall we do? Imagine what would happen if this question had never been asked. If nobody ever stepped forward, had the courage to ask this question, What shall we do? Would we have that answer today? Would that next verse, Acts 2.38, have followed at that point? What if the apostles, by the way that they were living their lives, the examples that they were given by their conduct, they were teaching these non-Christians, look, you don't ask questions. You listen to what we're telling you. You sit there with your mouth shut, and you don't ask anything. Would this question have ever got asked? And obviously, we all know the answer, Acts 2.38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we don't know the truth, 
we can't be saved. That's as, I mean, it's as simple as it can be put. If you do not know the truth, there is no hope for your eternal soul. All right. So then you have to ask a question at that point. Okay, what, what if I take, I take myself out of my comfort box? I go ask that question. I go ask for the truth. Somebody gives me the answer, but they gave me the wrong answer. What if I'm taught error at that point? How am I supposed to know that? What am I supposed to do? And this really is what has caused a lot of problems throughout the denominational world, is that leaders of certain denominations, they tell their followers, look, you, you don't need to ask questions. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. You just trust me. I'm going to tell you the answer. There's no reason to go back and try to look it up on your own. What if somebody is teaching us error? For us, it's necessary to really know the difference between truth and error, between right and wrong. We have to know that if we're going to have any hope for our eternal soul. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. I want to start reading in verse 12. It says, If you hear someone in one of your cities which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, you're to sit there with your mouth shut. You don't go ask questions. You may get your reputation smeared, and you may start a conflict. Is that what the scripture told? Is that what God commanded of them? Is it there to sit there and not get involved because somebody may look bad upon them for that? Let's read verse 13 again. It says, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Verse 14, Then you shall inquire... Search out and ask diligently. God commanded you don't sit around. If you hear rumors of stuff that's going on, stuff that goes against what God has said, we don't just assume they're rumors and sit back and pretend nothing's going on. God commanded you go find out what's going on. He didn't give them an option on this. You were to seek, you were to search diligently and ask these questions. Let's keep reading in verse, verse 14 says, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it and its livestock with the edge of the sword. God took this seriously. He was not willing for some kind of abomination to infiltrate its way into a city that he had set up for his people and allow those people then to be led away from what God wanted them to do because a couple people wanted to do something that wasn't right. He told them, you go find out what's going on and you take care of it. And you actually destroyed that whole city with the edge of the sword. Obviously today, if we know errors going on around us, we're not going to go out with physical violence with an edge of a sword and annihilate a certain group of people. But we have God's sword right here. We have the edge of the sword that we can go out with this and take care of error that's going on. If we hear something's going on, especially within the church and even other places, that error is being taught, we're to seek that out. We're to find out if that's really true. And we have God's sword right here. That we can take the edge of that sword, we can take care of that error, and set forth the truth the way it's really supposed to be. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they're of God. Now, we've got some teachers in the room with us this morning. What's a test? How do you test something? You have to ask a question. You have to ask questions. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it says, Test all things, hold fast to what is good. 
by us going out and testing something, if we hear something that's being taught to us, we have to go and ask that question. Now, do we go straight to the person that you hear it from and say, okay, such as me this morning. You should be testing what I'm telling you this morning. You should test what Brother Randy tells you standing in this pulpit instead of just taking somebody's word on it and believing it to be true. Now, you may not come straight to me and ask a question. Maybe you ask the question of the scriptures. Ask the question of the scripture. Go into the scriptures looking for something that you want an answer to. Let the scriptures give you the answer. Test what you're being told. But either way, the Bible commands we have to ask the questions. We can't simply sit back, let somebody tell us what to do, hear things that are going on around us and be oblivious to it and just ignore it. God tells us you have to ask the questions. You have to seek out this error, and you have to put a stop to the error. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Now, we all know the church of Ephesus had its problems. There were several things that they were dealing with, but they're actually commended for something that they do. Read with me in verse 2. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. They tested them. They had a lot of issues in their church that needed to be addressed. But they're commended that they were willing to step out and they were to test the things that they were being told. And if they found that somebody was teaching them false doctrine, that somebody wasn't really an apostle like they said they were, they would dismiss that person. They're commended for doing that. We have to do the same thing today. The point of all this is, is simply questions aren't bad. Questions are not a bad thing. They're actually a very good thing. The Bible gives us very many examples and even commands that we're to go out and we're to ask questions. We're not always to sit here and just trust the things that we're being told. I mean, as we've looked at this morning, it gives us examples of questions being used to teach somebody, to, to seek out error, to find truth, to, to do whatever we need to be done. We can go and ask those questions. Now, there's always going to be people that are going to ask questions with impure motives. It's going to happen. It's, it's part of people's human nature, I guess. One thing we have to be careful of as Christians, too, as we go and we ask these questions, we're seeking out error. It's got to be done in love. We can't go with a finger in somebody's face and basically trying to trap them into a situation and publicly humiliate them because that is done with impure motives. We have to do this with love to the point that we're trying to expose the error, set forth the truth, and in turn, show that person what they need to be doing instead. I know most everybody has always heard, there's no such thing as a dumb question, right? I've always heard that. I've even heard some people say the only question that's a dumb question is the one you didn't ask, all right? And as I'd mentioned before, how tragic it would be if by our example as Christians that we're showing the rest of the world, look, you don't ask questions. You sit back and you just listen to what you're being told. You don't ask questions. You don't try to challenge anything. How tragic that would be and what would that do to the future of the growth of the church? You know, the apostles were confused as we read in Luke chapter 9. The apostles were confused about what was going on. They didn't really know why Jesus was being betrayed. They didn't really truly understand that, hey, he's really going to die. They were confused because they were afraid to ask the question. They were afraid to ask, and because of that, they were unprepared. They were simply unprepared for what they needed. Are you prepared today? 
at some point your life is going to be over and there is going to be something that happens after your life are you prepared for that if you don't ask questions the questions that are in your heart how are you going to know the answer the answer is here the bible gives us the answer of what we need to know you simply has to ask the question once you believe Jesus is the Son of God, ask that question they asked in Acts 2, verse 37. What shall we do? Men and brethren, what shall we do? The Bible gives us that answer in verse 38. It says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do. If you've never asked that question, and you've never taken that next step to be prepared for your afterlife, there's no hope for your soul. I mean, as harsh as it may sound, that's as simple as it can be. If you do not put on Jesus through baptism, through the baptism in his blood, there is no hope for your soul. You have to ask that question. You have to get prepared. Maybe you have taken that step as a Christian. Maybe you have put on Jesus in baptism. Have you looked down on people because they were the ones asking questions? Like, look, don't you challenge the status quo. Don't you dare ask a question. You sit there and you, you do what you're told. Have we lived our life as that example that we told people you don't ask questions? Have you done something else in your life that has gotten you off that track towards heaven? You need forgiveness of that to get yourself back onto that track where it should be at. Brother Eddie's getting ready to lead us in a song. Are you washed in the blood? We as a congregation are asking you that question. Are you washed in the blood? Are you prepared for what you need to be prepared for when this life is over? So if you need to be baptized, if you have something else that's going on in your life that you need forgiveness for, we can take care of that this morning. We want to pray for you, pray with you. We'll, we'll baptize you immediately if we need to. But if you have those needs, please come as we stand and as we sing.